I am so glad to be here. For those that don't know me, my name is Jonathan Hernandez, and my wife and I, Hannah, who is leading worship, uh, we do uh, the student ministry here at Second Baptist. And so uh, it's been a, a um, challenge and a privilege for, for several years now to be able to lead in that way, and uh, we definitely love it. And so uh, uh, Chris is out of town, and so that's, that's why he's not up here this morning. So uh, thank you all for allowing me to be here and be a part of this. And so uh, in case you've missed it, there, uh, we've been part of a series now called Ordinary. Ordinary. And so we've done two other weeks of Ordinary. We've talked about Deborah, talked about Gideon. Um, if you want to catch up on some of that, we do have the sermons posted online. So you can check those out. Uh, sblg.org slash sermons. You can, you can see some of the, or watch some of those old sermons. Uh, also listen to those old sermons. Um, I think uh, we have some of the sermons on YouTube, different things like that. So uh, just be on, be on the lookout for some of that stuff if you want to catch up. But uh, Deborah... Uh, she was so much more than just the wife of Lapidoth, right? Uh, even, even so much more than just the only female judge called by God. See, Deborah was used mightily by God. God used her to speak his messages to his people and to battle a formidable army. Where everyone else had fear, Deborah had faith and went to battle to set God's people free. And then we saw the next week with Gideon. Um, we saw with Gideon that when he came, when God came to call him, he was actually hiding in fear. And still God used this man as a mighty warrior with an army that God reduced down to 300 people to fight an army that, that, that the word says was as thick as locusts. See, God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And so today we get a chance to look at the life of Moses. All right, and so uh, I'm not sure what you think about when you think of the life of Moses. When you think about Moses, I, what, what do you think about? Maybe you think of the song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, oh, let my people go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that what you think of? Uh, or, um, or maybe you think of, of Moses splitting the Red Sea, right? You think of splitting the Red Sea. Uh, maybe you think of all the plagues, right? Just, uh, maybe you can name a few of those off. Uh, maybe you picture the burning bush. And Moses talking to God. Uh, maybe you see the Ten Commandments in, in the arms of Moses. Or maybe you just picture Charlton Heston. I don't know. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're thinking about. But um, it's such a broad topic, and, and it really could just go so many different directions. And so as I prepared for this time with you, I really just wanted to look at the life of Moses and see him with new eyes. Moses really the person, Right? And really, I'll tell you, this time for me, I saw Moses differently than I ever have before. Um, one of the things that struck me as I studied was just the sheer amount of doubt and excuses that Moses has hesitating to do what God's asked him to do. Now, I, I took my moment to pity Moses in that. And it didn't take long for me to realize that in seeing Moses... I was really seeing an ordinary dude who looked a lot like me. Looked a lot like me. And, and I'm not just talking great facial hair and affinity for robes here, okay? Um, see, what, what I'm saying is I saw myself in this story. And, and the truth is, as we dive in today, as we look a little bit more into the life of Moses, the call of Moses, I think that you're going to see yourself also. I think you're going to see yourself. So you don't have to raise your hand on this. I, I'd love for you just to, just to think with me. 
Anyone in here struggling with purpose? Purpose. Anyone in here wondering if their life matters? Anyone in here feel like that the life that Christ has called you to is just so unattainable? Christ said that he, he came that you may have life to the full. Yet all you know is your marriage is on the rocks. Jesus wants an abundant life for you, and, and maybe you're just wondering if you can make it through another week of work. Maybe you're just wanting to parent better. Maybe you just want your life to mean something. If that's where you are right now, I think you're right where Moses was. And, and so like we saw with Deborah and Gideon, God comes and calls us to something that is bigger than ourselves. And while we're not maybe going to a literal battle like Deborah and Gideon, you really are part of a battle. You are. You are battling to make sense of life. You're battling to to be a good student, to work hard at your job, to take life's punches when it feels like that's all you've really been getting lately. You are in a battle, and we see Moses being called to take on a task of standing before the most powerful person of his time and making demands to him. See, God has called Moses to free his people from captivity, from the Pharaoh of Egypt, who at this point in human history really is at the pinnacle of their power. Really is. And so Moses' first roadblock is where many of us are today. See, Moses felt that his past disqualified him from being used by God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my first hurdle in serving God is me and what I've done, the life that I used to live and how I still struggle, the things that I've seen, those words that I've used to people, to people that even I, that I, I say I love. So if you would with me, turn to the book of Exodus chapter 3. I wasn't real friendly like, like Chris and have the slides up here for you, so you might actually have to open a physical Bible. So sorry about that. But if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Exodus chapter 3. And, and we're picking up with the story of Moses right here, and he really is on the backside of nowhere. Okay? That, that's where Moses is at this moment. He's on the backside of nowhere. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. And, and literally, Horeb meant desolate place. Okay, so that, that's what we're saying. I'm saying it's middle of nowhere. He really is in the middle of nowhere. The mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame a fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, Moses called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. 
And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, see, Moses, where he is in this moment, he's living a bit of a lonely existence. He's in the middle of nowhere doing a job that doesn't really get him any respect. He's a shepherd, right? He doesn't even own his own sheep. Did you notice that? Does he even own his own sheep? They're his father-in-laws. Moses is not uh, as in his prime as he used to be. Uh, maybe his past failures are uh, kind of adding up. And, and, and as if that wasn't enough, as, as if his resume wasn't good enough, he's also a murderer on the run. I mean, do you feel the weight of that? How could God use someone like that? That's when our real enemy comes and has a field day with us, isn't it? He comes and he, he, he just tells us that we're worthless, that we're inadequate. And you hear it in, in Moses' words in verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Do you, I mean, do you hear that? I hear him asking God, do you know what I've done? God, how, how could you use me? Now, our past may look a bit different, but it still has struggles. It still gives the enemy ammo to throw all manner of doubt on us. The enemy's message is that our past disqualifies from God really loving us and really being able to use us. And this is a lie. Now, now don't miss this. I, I think the first thing that you need to hear, that we need to hear this morning, is that Jesus is bigger than our past. He's bigger. He is. Jesus is bigger than your past. He knows what you've done. He knows even down to the thoughts that you hide from everyone else. He knows you more intimately than you can imagine. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Jesus knows you that well, and he loves you. Let that sink in for a second. He doesn't cringe when you try to talk to him. He doesn't roll his eyes when you need him the most. He chooses to love you, and that's because of who he is in spite of who we are. God sees us, and he knows that he's enough to carry us through. He is enough. Jesus is bigger than your past, and he tells Moses so. Look, look at verse 12. He says, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you, that I have sent you when you have been 
When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Some of you just need to hear from God this morning that he's with you, that he's with you. And, and you see that promise there, to him telling Moses, hey, you're going you're gonna to get out of Egypt. Not only that, you're going to bring those people out of there and we're going to be worshiping on this mountain one day soon. And you see, I think that at this moment, Moses is a little bit self-conscious when he really should have been God-conscious, right? Uh, what about you? H- how are you doing in that area? Do you tend to be more self-conscious or do you tend to realize what God's doing, on, doing all around you? Are you God-conscious? Do you, do you see what he's up to? Moses goes on to tell God four more times in addition to his past why he can't do what God would have him do. Now, I'm going to kind of fly through these, so you may not be able to find them all as we go through this. But you see, Moses is a lot like you and I. We have become very well acquainted with our limitations. We have come up with a ton of reasons why we are unable to do what God has called us to. Sometimes those limitations are rooted in our past. A lot of times, we just have a lot of reasons for never taking the steps of obedience that God has asked us to. Let me let you in on a little secret. Jesus knows your limitations. He knows them. The same way that he knows your past, the same way that he, he, he knows that you're lacking. It doesn't surprise him. Oh, I didn't know you weren't good at that. that that's not what he's doing in that moment. That, that's, not, that's not our God. So let's look a little bit at the other four limitations and excuses that Moses uses at this moment. So in verse 13, we see Moses worried he's going to look like a fool when he does what God has called him to do. I mean, don't we do that? We get so preoccupied with what people think more so than what God thinks. And then in the next chapter, we see Moses worried that the people won't believe that God has called him. I mean, do you ever feel a conviction to live for Jesus only to let it leave when you leave these walls? In verse 10 of the next chapter, we see Moses telling God that he doesn't speak well and that his, and his excuse is his own insecurity. And then finally, in verse 13 of, of chapter 4, we see Moses flat out not wanting to do what God has called him to do basically just punting his responsibility and saying, God, just send someone else. I am not saying that God hasn't called Moses to something overwhelmingly big. But the problem is that Moses is keeping his eyes on the size of the challenge and his own limitations instead of seeing the size of the God he serves. Are are you with me? God answers Moses and says, when you get before the people and you're trying to live the way that I've called you to, remember who sent you. I am who I am. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And these aren't like references, like you should just go ask those guys how I did. No, no, it's more of a testament to God that God could use people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now he's in front of Moses wanting to use him. Those guys, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those are just ordinary guys. But the God they served, the one who's talking to you right now, Moses, he is extraordinary. He's extraordinary. 
So, so God's saying, Moses, I have a track record of using plain, ordinary people to change history. That is who I am. Who is God? I, I am, and I've always been here, and I'm right here in front of you wanting to use you. I know your limitations, and I'm okay with them because I'm so far beyond limitations. You want me to prove it? That mouth that you are doubting in its ability to speak, I made that, God says. I know your limitations. I even put some of them there. Because when you accomplish something, Moses, bigger than you, everyone will know that it was me. That's what God wants. He, he, doesn't, want, he doesn't want just Moses like doing something that's attainable for his own, him and his own power. He wants Moses to attain something beyond himself so that God gets the glory and not Moses. So God has given those who align their life with Jesus the task of telling the world about Jesus. Does that feel big to anybody? <laughs> sure it does. But, but I want you to know that our God is bigger. Our God is bigger. Um, marriage is hard. But God wants us to love our spouse like Christ loved the church. Is that hard? Uh, yeah. If, if left to me, it'd be impossible. But looking to Jesus is the only way. God wants us to work in our jobs or in school with all of our heart, as if working for the Lord. Is that easy? No, not at all. It's impossible through my strength. But when I'm looking to Jesus... It right-sizes those challenges. See, looking to Jesus right-sizes the things that we face. Instead of seeing the sheer difficulty or the size of the task, I look to Jesus and see the vastness and the ability of him. Looking to him looks a whole lot like trusting him, trusting that he's good, trusting that he's better than what the world offers then that trust becomes action. The action is obedience. Trust and obedience in the person of Jesus. I'm not saying that you don't have talent and ability. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that you alone, your talent and ability is not enough for what God has called you to. So how do we do that? How do we do it? we realize that Jesus is bigger than our past. We realize that he knows our limitations and realize that even those are there to point to Jesus. Why was this man born blind? The disciples were asking Jesus, is it his sin or his parents' sin? Jesus answered that his blindness happened to him so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus, how can I do this task that feel that when I just feel so incapable? Jesus will answer, so that I can shine through your life. And there's no confusion as to how it's accomplished. See, if we keep our story about us, if we live our life for our purposes and what makes us happy, I think we miss out on a bigger story going on all around us. No matter whether you realize it or not, the story of our lives is bigger. It's part of a bigger story that's going on around us. The truth is, the story is not just about us. We are not even the main character. 
but we can be part of that bigger story. See, in this story, this bigger story, Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the hero of your story and the story. How can we live a life that's bigger than ourselves? It's because of Jesus. How can I accomplish great things for the kingdom? It's through Jesus. How can I know that my purpose and live a life that, that truly matters? It's because of Jesus. It's, he is going to be the hero that accomplishes these things in our lives. And the truth is, we need a hero. All of us. No matter who you are, our story ends with us being forever separated from God. That is, without a hero. See, Jesus came to conquer death and to show the world that the story is, in fact, about him and his glory. When we realize that we cannot fix ourselves and that we need a hero and that there is no true hero besides Jesus, that is when we're saved. So as we declare with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Is Jesus, in fact, the hero of your story? Is he? Have you come to a place where you realize that the story really is about him? I'd love for you to use this time to reflect. Now, uh, we're going to be singing a song that is all about Jesus. And so if you know Jesus, I'd love for you just to declare to him that he's your hero. I'd love for you to be able, as you sing, just be able to, to sing with all you got, praising him for who he is. Now, if you don't know who Jesus is, if Jesus is not the hero of your story, then I'd also invite you to come talk to someone um, and, and let's, let's figure out what that looks like, what these next steps are of Jesus being the right place in your story. So uh, if you would pray with me as the worship team comes forth. Father God, I, I do just thank you for this time. God, I, I thank you that you are an extraordinary God. You are a God, the same God that did amazing things with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and, and you're the same God that loves us today. That you're inviting us into something that's bigger than ourselves, that we can't do on our own, but that you are the hero of our story. And God, so I pray that in this moment, in this time, we could reflect on you being the hero of our story. That we could just sing more worship to you. That we could realize that you're bigger than our limitations, that you're bigger than our past. And God, so as we worship you, may we do that in spirit and in truth. And may we do that right now. In Jesus' name, amen.